Welcome to Victory Church Winchester, Virginia's podcast, where we seek to help people find and follow Jesus. Please take a minute to subscribe. Now here is this week's message from our Sunday morning worship experience. We are in this collection of teachings that I've titled Strength for Every Season. We just entered into a new season, the fall season, um, all things pumpkin and um, fire, fire pits, right? We've got flannels. We got all the things that are important about this season, um, and it's a beautiful season to live in the Shenandoah Valley, am I right? The f- colors are starting to change, the leaves are falling, we, the rain is falling, um, so uh, you guys are here today with us, and, and by the way, I want to just tell you, the Lord, the Bible says in the scripture, is a rewarder of those who diligently seek him, come on, and so I want to applaud you for being here on, in person. I'm not throwing shade to the people online. I'm just saying the people in person are going to get a special blessing from the Lord today. I don't, I don't know if that's really accurate, but I just feel like declaring it uh, this morning. Thank you guys uh, for being here in person. It's important that we gather together. Now Joseph, verse 1, had been taken down to Egypt. If you remember, two weeks ago we began this collection of teachings Um, strength for every season. And we're looking at the life of a man named Joseph, uh, a man who accomplished and achieved many great things in his life. Uh, It started off with a dream. And I talked to you about the dream season, a God-designed dream that he has for all of us. And I believe that God has a dream over your life, and especially in this season, The scripture says to declare a thing and it will be established. And I just believe as I was praying for and preparing um, for that message that the Lord said, it's time to dream now. It's time to dream big and it's time to dream again. And God is awakening the dreamers. And our dream is connected to the harvest. Our dream is connected to what God wants to accomplish in the earth for such a time as this for this generation. Our dream is is about us, but our dream is bigger than us. Our dream was given to us alone, but it's not just for us alone. And we see Joseph, this incredible, prolific dreamer, dreaming and telling his brothers, you are going to bow down before me. The sun, the moon, and the stars are going to bow down for me. He was literally dreaming from another world. He was dreaming beyond his reality. And when God gives you a dream, that dream is going to be bigger than your current reality. God is a big God. He is a God of big dreams. You know why? Because when the dream comes to pass, you won't get the big head. You won't think that you accomplished it in your own strength, your own ingenuity. Come on, your own good looks and your gifting. No, your dream will come to pass by the hand of God, by the power of God, by the plans of God. And so it's a dream season. But I told you last week, and as we studied the scripture, Joseph's brothers at that point began to persecute him. They begin to rise up against him. And don't be surprised when your dream rises within you that your dream killers are not stirred against you. You see, because when God has a dream for your life, you will encounter dream killers. And, they, and, and Joseph entered into a doubting season. It was a dream season. And then it was a doubting season as he was thrown into the pit. But I came to tell you last week that the pit ain't it. Come on, 
Come on, God's got more in store. Come on, it might seem dark, it might seem depressing, it might seem that there's no way out. You might be discouraged, but the pit ain't it. God still has plans for your life, and your dream is still intact, and your dream will come to pass because God is with you. You have to attain new insight, come on, in your doubting season. You have to anticipate an exit out of your doubting season. And you have to allow God to bring you out of the pit in your doubting season. You get out of your doubting season by praise. Judah got Joseph out. And you won't get out of your prison. You won't get out of your pit. You won't get out of your trouble until you begin to praise the Lord. And then God brought Joseph out. But God brought Joseph out. But now we find that they, the Ishmaelites, are taking Joseph down to Egypt. It was still a down season. It was still perhaps a doubting season for Joseph as he is uh, bound in chains and, and, and going and heading down to a place called Egypt, a place where we, he, he did not have the comfort of his father. He did not have the security of his familiar setting. He was out of place, a, a new a language, a new place, a new people, new surroundings. And he's all alone. He's being taken as a prisoner down to Egypt. And in verse 1, as he is taken down there, there's a man named Potiphar. He's an officer of Pharaoh, a captain of the, of the guard, an Egyptian brought him, bought him from the Ishmaelites who had taken him down there. Potiphar, a man of prestige, a man of power, a man of influence, finds Joseph at the slave trading uh, stock there, and, and he purchases him, brings him in the house. And, the Lord, and in verse 2, the Lord was with Joseph. How many are thankful that the Lord is with you. The Lord is with you at all times, on the mountain and in the valley and everywhere in between. The Lord God is with us. And he was a successful man. That word right there means that he was prosperous. The Lord was with Joseph and he was a prosperous man. And he was in the house of his master, the Egyptian, Potiphar. And his master saw that the Lord was with him and that the Lord made all he did to prosper in his hand. So Joseph found favor in his sight and he served him. And then he made him overseer of his house and all that he had he put under his authority. So it was from the time that he made him overseer of his house and all that he had, the Lord blessed the Egyptian's house for Joseph's sake. And the blessing of the Lord was on all he had in the house and in the field. Thus he left all that he had in Joseph's hand, and he did not know what he had except for the bread which he ate. I want to share from my subject, from this passage today. I'm going to tag a title to my text, and I'm titling this sermon this week, it's part one, and we'll finish with next week, part two. I'm, ta- I'm, calling, this, I'm, I'm calling this message the determining season, the ter- determining season. If you would, just join with me in prayer just for a moment. Father, thank you 
for the opportunity today to gather around your word. Lord, I thank you, Lord, that we're not here by random chance, Lord, but you have brought us into this sacred space today, Lord, that we might not hear a sermon. We might not just sing a song and we might not just attend a service, but God, that we would hear from you, that we would hear from heaven. Father, anoint what I say today. Let it be from your very heart that you would speak into the hearts and lives of your people. Lord, our hearts are open and receptive to what you want to do today. Let us leave this moment experiencing your presence and your power, Lord, that we might be forever changed. We pray this in Jesus' name, in Jesus' name. Amen. How many of you are old enough to remember this announcement? This is a test. For the next 60 seconds, this station will conduct a test of the emergency broadcast system. This is only a test. The broadcasters in your area, uh, in voluntary cooperation with the FCC and other authorities, have developed this system to keep you informed in the event of an emergency. I remember watching TV when I was a kid growing up, and this uh, announcement would come on the screen. And it was accompanied by the most annoying sound, like, it was just super annoying, uh, annoying, and they said that this was a test of the emergency broadcast system. Now, this test was developed from the government. The government developed this test in order for the president to be able to communicate with the American citizens in case of an emergency. I didn't care anything about that. I was watching the Flintstones, and this thing would come up and get on my nerves. Or maybe, I don't know, maybe I was watching the Brady Bunch, or maybe I was watching Double Dare, come on, somebody, or Gilligan's. If you notice, I'm watching a lot of Nickelodeon. All right, that's, that's what we watched in my house. And, um, and they would always end also with, this is only a test. It's only a test. And you know what? Life is full of testing times. Amen? And you, if you like them or not, it doesn't matter if you like them or not, we're all going to experience testing times, testing seasons. And if we're going to experience testing seasons and testing times, we might as well pass the test. Because I've got good news for you today that on, the, that on the other side of your test is your promotion into your next season. And that's why I'm telling you today that this is a determining season. You walk through in life various times, various seasons in which you face tests, but it's only a test, and that test is determining whether you're going to advance and be promoted into the next season. Come on. We don't like tests, but tests are for our good, and passing them determines our promotion to the next season. And I want you this morning to approach every test in your life, every determining season in your life armed with this principle, this truth from the scriptures here today that I'm going to share with you over the next two weeks. I want you to commit it to memory because it's powerful. And it says this, my destiny is determined by doing what pleases God today. Doesn't matter the test. Doesn't matter the trouble, doesn't matter the issue, 
Your destiny will be determined by doing what pleases God today. Notice that I didn't say by knowing what pleases God today. For Jesus said, if you know these things, blessed are you if you do them. Notice I didn't say um, my destiny is determined by um, planning to do what pleases God today. No, I said my destiny is determined by doing what pleases God today. That's all you can be responsible for is what God has called you to do today. And if you will do what pleases God today, you will get you to your predetermined destiny. We talk about, listen to me, we talk about destiny in terms of if you were to look it up in the dictionary and, and it's defined in society as a predetermined course or a predetermined path that you cannot uh, prevent. You are necessarily, necessarily what is that word? <laughs> you will necess, in necessity end up to your destination, but that actually is not uh, Christian theology. You see, God has a predetermined plan for all of us. In other words, he is sovereign and his destiny uh, for our life has a predetermined plan. However, there is this thing in Christian theology, there's also an aspect of the will of man, the free will of man. And the choices that you make today will determine your destiny. These are things are not in conflict, although they are somewhat mysterious. And I will tell you that today, when we look at the determining season in the life of Joseph in this passage, we can find three tests that you will take, that I will take, on the journey from our dream to our destiny. And the middle of our dream to our destiny is a development. It's a process of development in our life, a process of discovery, a process of determination. Are we going to get to our destiny? If we will do what pleases God today, we can trust that God is bringing us from our dream to our eventual destiny. Amen. I want to share with you uh, this morning uh, the first test that we find Joseph taking and that you and I will take from our dream to our destiny, and that is the prosperity test. <laughs> it's the prosperity test. We find in Genesis chapter 39, verse 2, the Lord was with Joseph, and he was a successful man. He was a prosperous man. And if you go to verse 3, it says the Lord made all he did, all he what? All he did all he did to prosper in his hand. More on that in a minute. Joseph is taken down to Egypt in chains, sold as a slave to a man named Potiphar. He's a slave in Egypt, but he has a dream. He's a slave in Egypt, but he has a destiny. And though he is down, he has a determination to do what pleases God today. Prosperity is defined as this. Prosperity is the presence of God in your life that brings blessing to you and to others. 
and to others. Remember in verse 5 it says, the Lord blessed Joseph, but Joseph was a blessing. You see, God doesn't just prosper you for you. He prospers and blesses you with his presence. He is the source of your prosperity. He blesses you that you might be a blessing. Not that you can enjoy everything that you have and you keep it all to yourself, but so that you can be blessed and that you can be a blessing. And when we say the word prosperity, it's important that you know what the scriptures say about this word because there is this teaching, this theology, this, this man-made uh, theology that has uh, taken place in the church over the last 40 years that's called the prosperity gospel, right? The health, wealth, prosperity gospel, right? And so many of us throw the baby out with the bathwater because of the error in which has been excessive in talking about prosperity. I want to bring some balance in this teaching today because I believe that God does want to prosper us, but we have to understand what God means when he says he wants to prosper us. Look at 3 John verse 2, and I don't have this for the screen, so you're going to have to listen. Beloved, I pray that you may prosper in all things and be in health just as your soul prospers. The Lord wants our soul to prosper, our mind, our will, our emotions to prosper, but he wants to prosper us materially and physically as well because he says be in health as your soul prospers be in prosperity live in prosperity prosperity becomes as the source of your prosperity is the presence of the lord in your life that brings blessing to you and others that hebrew word for prosperity means to push forward or make progress the greek word for prosperity means to help on the road Sounds like the work of the Holy Spirit to me, wanting to prosper us, wanting to help us on the journey down the road, wanting to bless us that we might be a blessing, wanting to develop and mature us and cause our soul to prosper and character in order that we might be entrusted with the resources that God has given us, that we might be a blessing. Sounds like the work of the Holy Spirit in our life. Mm. to push us forward, to help us on the road. You know that the, the word uh, for um, the, what God has sent the Holy Spirit to do, the, the, the Holy Spirit has come to be our helper or our advocate. That word helper is the word parakletos in the Greek, and it means a helper, one who is called alongside of us to help. So we see the presence of the Holy Spirit in the life of Joseph the presence of God, even though different than it would be for us today, but seeing that this presence of the Holy Spirit brought prosperity to the life of Joseph, and for you and I today, we can live in prosperity and our soul prospering and us growing and developing in who God has created us to be, that we might be blessed and that we might be a blessing. Here's the problem, is that we have an incomplete perspective of prosperity that leads to an uninformed perception of prosperity. You see, if you only see a perspective of something, you have a limited or an incomplete perspective. But when I walk around and I get full perspective, I step forward, I step back, I can see clearly. I can see in a better perspective. 
If you just see one side of a thing, you are limited or incomplete in your perspective. But if you see things from a full perspective, you will have an informed perception. Your perception is formed from your perspective. Your perception is your interpretation of a thing. Two incomplete or false perspectives that we have about prosperity is, number one, let me just tell you this, that prosperity is only spiritual. This is what is said. Poverty, not prosperity, is godly. And I will tell you today that that is false. If you look in 1 Timothy chapter 6, verse 10, the Apostle Paul writing to Timothy says, For the love of money is the root of all kinds of evil, for which some have strayed from the faith and their greediness and pierced themselves through with many sorrows. The love of money, the desire to accumulate wealth and money and prosperity only to spend it on myself, the love of money is the root of all evil, but money itself is neutral. It is not evil. It takes on the spirit of the person who is giving it. My tithe money can go to the church and be a blessing and proclaim the gospel, but that same money can be used to be spent on crack tomorrow. It takes money is neutral. It takes on the spirit upon which it is given in. And this is a false perspective that prosperity is only spiritual. God is not against you having things. He is against things having you. And so we have to steward and be responsible of what God has entrusted to us. This is a complete understanding of what it means to be prosperous. The presence of the Lord in your life will make you prosperous spiritually. And, and, and it is true that the presence of the Holy Spirit brings prosperity to your life. You see, because you can have all these things. You can accumulate stuff. You can have all that Jesus said this. The man's life does not consist of the abundance of the things that he possesses. So what I'm telling you is pursue the person and the presence of the Holy Spirit if you want to be like Joseph and be prosperous. Prosperity is spiritual, but it's not only spiritual. It's also prosperity is material. Now listen, you can have Louis Vuitton, you can have Mercedes Benz, you can get the Gucci bag, you can have Rolex, come on, you can have the 401k, you can have money in the bank, you can have the million dollar home, you can have the vacation home in the Hamptons and be spiritually poor. You can be prosperous in this world and accumulate all kinds of things, but you can be poor of the presence of God. And if you're poor of the presence of God, then you are poor. You are miserable. But if we have the presence of God, then we are rich. Prosperity is spiritual, but prosperity is, demonstrates itself and shows up materially as well. Jesus warned in the parable of the sower about this deceitfulness of riches, trying to accumulate things. But here's what biblical prosperity is. Let me explain it to you. It's actually both spiritual and material. Joseph was a slave and he owned nothing, but yet the, the, the Bible says that he was prosperous. And his prosperity brought about material blessing to others. This is the prosperity test that we face in our, in our determining season. 
Prosperity is not for us alone, but prosperity in verse 4 says this, Joseph found favor in Pharaoh's sight and he served him. He served him. What do you do with what God has given to you? This is your test of prosperity. And many of us, we don't think that we're rich, but we are very rich. We are rich spiritually if we know Jesus, we have the presence of God in our life. And if you look out over the world, the multitude, millions of people in the world, in America, we are very prosperous. And the Lord will take you from the dream to the destiny, trying to develop within you character so you can steward prosperity. So you can steward the blessing and the presence and the prosperity of God in your life because it's not about you. It's about serving others. This is a complete, a biblical view of prosperity. It's both spiritual and material. And I want, I want to explain to you this morning how to attain prosperity in God. Listen, this morning, uh, by sharing with you an object lesson this morning that I'm entitling The Prosperity Ladder. Do not be afraid. Don't try this at home, though. I have uh, watched YouTube videos how to do this. Um, this morning, let's just say that pros how to attain prosperity in God. Let's just say that this top level right here, and you may or may not uh, be able to see this, but I'm just going to stick it up here. This right here, this top level, is the prosperity of God. This is step five. One, two, three. No, this one is five. That's why, because I can't step on that one. That's why I put there. The prosperity of God. Prosperity of God is having the presence of the Lord in your life that blesses you and brings blessing to others. But you can't just jump to prosperity in God. Prosperity in God is a process. And I'm going to start on the top rung right here. We want to jump to the top. We want to be prosperous. We want to be blessed and highly favored. We want to have everything that God has for us. It says don't step on that one. We want to have everything that God has for us. We want to be prosperous. But you have to realize that you cannot... Be prosperous in the Lord until you first have the presence of the Lord in your life. There is no prosperity, no real prosperity without the presence of the Lord. The presence of the Lord comes into your life through the person of the Holy Spirit. And he makes you a prosperous person. But there is a process in order to get to the prosperity of God. But you can't experience and walk in the presence of God if you don't first step into obedience to God. Why? Because obedience draws you closer into the presence of the Lord. If you don't believe me, Look in Deuteronomy where God's people came out of the wilderness and he began to give them instructions. And he says, if you will be obedient and obey my commandments, 
then I will bless you. But if you are not obedient, then you will experience the curse. But God doesn't just want us to be obedient outwardly. He wants us to have a willingness of our heart. And that's why Isaiah could say in Isaiah chapter 1, if you are willing and obedient, you will eat the good of the land. He's wanting our heart to be willing and obedient. And if some of you have children, like I do, a 10-year-old daughter, you understand this connection between obedience and willingness. Because there is a connection when I say, hey, can you go clean your room, to the complaining of, do I have to go clean the room? There's a connection between willingness and obedience. Just because we do something for the Lord doesn't mean that we're willingly doing it for God. God wants our hearts to be willing and obedient. But let me tell you something this morning. I'm not telling you that the key into the, the salvation into the presence of God is through obedience. I'm not telling you that. I'm telling you that by grace, through faith, you are saved, and that not of works, lest any person should boast. Salvation isn't a result of obedience. It's not a result of anything that you have done, but it's a gift of God by grace that has been freely given to you so that you could now experience the presence of God in your life, but you cannot discount the reality that to walk with God is to be obedient to God. You have to be obedient if you want to experience more of his presence in your life. You can grieve the person and the presence of the Holy Spirit. Just as you can obey and receive his presence and sense him near, you can also disobey and sense his distance. But in order to be obedient and to be prosperous, you have to have faith in God. (laughs) You see, without faith, you can't be obedient. But if you will believe that God is a rewarder of those who diligently seek him, If you will believe in the blessing and the presence of the Lord on your life as a result of an obedient life, that is the first step to obedience. When you believe something, you act on it. We live out this truth every day in our life. You go to take a shower this morning. You turn that shower on. You turn that nozzle to hot. What happens in that shower? The water's what? Cold initially. I'm not trying to take a cold shower. So I got my hand in the shower, but you know what? I believe that it's going to get warm. If I just wait long enough, this is what faith is. Faith is waiting and trusting until the water gets warm. You can't have obedience to God unless you first have faith in God because you don't know what to obey. You don't know how to be obedient. You can't, obey your, you, you can't obey your way into obedience. You can't have the presence of God and just manufacture and will yourself to obedience. You've got to have faith in that God is a rewarder of your obedience, and that is your motivation to obey God. Then you get into his presence, and then you experience the prosperity of God. But step one, first and foremost, you cannot be prosperous in God 
You can't have faith in God. You can't have obedience to God. You can't have the presence of God and the prosperity of God without this first step, this most important first step. And this says the word of God. The word of God. It's the word. It's the word of God. The Bible says being born again, not of corruptible seed, but of incorruptible by the word, the living word of God which abides forever. It's the word of God. The Bible says this, faith comes by what? Hearing. And hearing what? The word of God. Faith comes by hearing and hearing the word of God. You can't have the faith of God, faith in God, without first hearing the word of God. In the word of God, we find out what pleases God. We find out how to live our life. We find out what God would do. We find out what he wouldn't do. It's not my opinion. It's the word of God that I build my life as a foundation in order to bring prosperity in my life. So when you have the word of God and you put your faith and your foundation in the word of God, you can have faith in God. Faith comes by hearing. So when you're in this place today and you start to have faith, it's because you've been in the presence of the word of God. Now you have faith in God. For without faith in God, it's impossible to please God because you won't know who Jesus is. You won't know that he died for you. You won't know what he has planned for your life. And Joseph's dream, his, the word of God was tested in his life. If you don't believe me, go to the book of Psalms, which I told you to turn to. Psalms 100. And we're going to begin reading at verse 17. I'll try to find it. Help me, Jesus. Psalm 105, verse 17. He sent the Lord in recounting the history of Israel the mighty miracles of bringing them out of Egypt, parting the Red Sea, bringing freedom, them being in the wilderness. The Bible says, he sent a man, the Lord sent a man before them, Joseph, who was sold as a slave. They hurt his feet with fetters. He was laid in irons until the time that his word came to pass. The word over your life will be tested. It'll be tested by trouble. It'll be tested by tribulation. It'll be tested by times and seasons of testing. And these determining seasons are vital. They're important in order for us to be promoted to the next place in God, the next season. So your destiny is determined by doing what pleases God today. How can you do what pleases God today? You pick up his word. You're here today. You're pleasing God today. Doing today, your destiny is determined by doing what pleases God today. The word of God. Then you can have faith in God today. Start believing him today. Start living in obedience to him today. When you do that, you see his presence come into your life. And where his presence is, he will prosper. He'll prosper his presence in all that you do. Everything you set your hand to, he'll bless. But it's not for you. 
but it's through you and for others. Stand up on your feet right now. I'm going to close. I'm going to pray for you. This is a determining season, but it's a determining moment even right now in some of your life, in person and online. Because the decision that you make today is going to determine the course of your destiny. God has given you dreams. He's given you a destiny that is tied to that dream. But now he's calling you to make a decision, a decision that is going to determine where you go. With every head bowed and every eye closed in this place, no looking around. Prosperity is pleasing God today by welcoming his presence in your life and allowing him to work in and through you to bring prosperity to others. But can I tell you this morning that you cannot be prosperous apart from the gospel, the presence of Jesus Christ through the person of the Holy Spirit in your life. And I want to give you some instruction from the Word of God that you can place your faith in so that today you can take an obedient step toward God. Saying yes to God is obedience. is simply saying yes to God. Here's the truth of the Scriptures. Here's the truth of the Word of God. All of us. How many? All. All. Not some of us. Not most of us. Not many of us. All of us fall short of the glory of God. All of us have sinned. All of us. We were born in sin and inequity in our wombs. Our mother conceived us. In other words, we, bent, we are bent towards selfishness. We have this sinful nature on the inside of us that separates us from God because God is holy and he's righteous and he's just. But here's the good news that even though God is holy, righteous, and just, He's also love. He's love. And so in order to reconcile His justice, His holiness, and His love, the Bible says that He had to send forth His Son. God loved the world so much that He gave His only Son that whoever would believe in Him would not perish but have eternal life. So now, because of what Jesus has done, not because of what you have done, you can put your faith in Jesus, obediently saying yes to God, saying, God, I recognize I'm a sinner. God, I recognize I'm separated from you. God, I recognize that I am void of eternal life, but I'm going to place my faith in you today. I'm going to trust in you. I'm going to trust in your word. And when you do that, the Bible says that you can be born again. Jesus said, no one can enter into heaven, have eternal life without being born again. And the Holy Spirit, the, per, the, the, the Holy Spirit is here today to give you new life when you put your faith in Jesus. What you need to do, here's what's required of you. Here's the obedient act that's required of you. Just to admit, admit, God, I'm a sinner. I'm in need of a Savior. If you will do that, the Bible says, if you confess with your mouth, the Lord Jesus Christ, and you believe in your heart that God has raised him from the dead, that you might be saved. No, that you will be saved. And those that call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. Not might be saved, 
not perhaps will be saved, but your life can be changed today by the power of God through the person of Jesus Christ and through believing in him. Put your faith in him today. Ask him to forgive you of all your sin, to give you eternal life. If you'll make that decision today, the Bible says that he will enter into your life. He will, he will write your name in the book of heaven that one day when you stand before him, you will be forgiven. You will enter in because of what Jesus has done for you. And the good news is that not only do we have eternal life, but we have abundant life here in this world. We have prosperity because God said he would send forth his spirit to live in our heart by faith, by calling on the name of the Lord Jesus. He gives us the person, the help, the comforter of the Holy Spirit. So today, you're in this place and you're in a moment of decision. And you're not living for the Lord, you know that there's something that's separating you from God and that feeling that you feel right now is your sin. That's the Holy Spirit convicting you of your sin. Give your life fully to Jesus today. Ask him to forgive you of your sins and you will have eternal life. Thank you for listening to this week's podcast. Our vision is that you would experience Victory Church as a place to call home. We do this by encountering God through worship, embracing community through relationship, and expanding the kingdom of God through service. Find out more about Victory at victorywinchester.com.